Welcome to Old Town New World from Millstone Pizza in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Chris Gervais. And I'm Micah Troublefield. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town USA. <laughs> no. Okay. This week he is in Harvard, get, getting his Harvard knowledge handed down to him. I was gonna say get his Harvard Harvard knowledge on, and then I was like, no, Chris, don't go there. Um, he's getting his Harvard on. He's getting his Harvard on. <laughs> um, so I will be joined today by a very special guest whose name you've heard many times on Old Town New World. We talk about this guy all the time. His name is Mike Gentry. And he's involved with all kinds of awesome stuff in Rock Hill, and I'm gonna let him introduce himself and tell us a little bit about what he does. Well, I'm Mike Gentry, and I put on music events in downtown Rock Hill. I work for the Arts Council of York County, also in Old Town Rock Hill. And uh, I've been doing these music events in the courtroom, courtesy of the Arts Council for the last four years, since 2010, I guess, the summer of 2010. And, uh, I mean, it's just kind of been my passion, and I've been keeping it going and trying to evolve downtown into a hip, cool place to be. So, describe the nature of your music events that you put on in the courtroom. Well, they're very grassroots. I mean, I don't charge very much. Five dollars a show at, at most for a regular show is five bucks, and then uh, they start around between nine and ten o'clock, and. Uh, I target, you know, a young youth, mostly a young audience, you know, people who are into like punk music, rock music, indie music, anything that's like fresh and new, but rather than booking like Beach House or the larger famous bands, um, I mostly stick to local, regional, and up and coming touring bands or touring bands who are trying to make it. <laughs> right. So now most big cities have at least one or multiple kind of little rock venues where you have those kinds of bands. You have touring and local bands that are kind of like, generally it'll skew to some version of punk rock, but it just whatever, kind of the, the not mainstream kind of music. Um, and Rock Hill's never, ever, ever had that. And I disagree though. I disagree because, you know, the money was there and it had, it had, you know, bands and people come there. It just... I mean, I can't say that I'm any more successful or better than the money, because the money was doing great things, you know. I mean, yeah. it evolved into a place that maybe we didn't want to hang out every week, but it, it did what I want to do now. Yeah. Well, I guess it's hard for me, because I mean, I grew up here, and I the first place I, or one of the first places I ever played was at the money, and so for, if you're not in the know, the money in Rock Hill was just kind of a bar music venue um, that had been there since the, gosh, I guess at least the 70s, maybe the 60s, I don't Daddy's know. Daddy's Money. And it was called Daddy's Money because, you see, when you go to college, you're spending Daddy's Money, or at least in the 70s you were. Well, I heard a story recently that Daddy's Money actually came because the guy who started it used Daddy's Money to start it up, his dad's oh, money wow. to start it up. That's that's something I heard recently. Huh. Um, and it's interesting because now they're rebuilding it and they've got those neon signs out that say Daddy's Money that went back to the original name. So I'm very interested to see what happens there. Man, I totally, the, the Rock Hill lore has always been like, ha ha ha, 
Oh, well, you're spending daddy's money. That's it's still hearsay. It's somebody what somebody told me. I don't know. I still don't know who's built it. In conjecture. Yeah. I've been telling people that for a long time, but I, I made it up. So you might have gotten it from me. Michael likes to just scar random lies about Rock Hill. Um, but uh, so anyways, well, okay, so arguably the money, or, and, and there have been things that have looked like that, but for the most part, the closest you've had in Rock Hill is like bars that have been doing the Southern bar thing for years and years and years. And then as the music styles change, Maybe things change, but I do think there's a distinction between that and just a good old dirty rock club. You know, like that's it's one thing to have that, and it's one thing to have, like I said, like kind of a southern bar, which yeah. Rock Hill has always had. There's never been a shortage of just southern bars in Rock Hill, um, and I think that what you do at the courtroom is you're having the bands that are like in Charlotte, it's the Milestone, and in like uh, in Snug Harbor, it's Snug Harbor, yeah. Um, Historical zone. What's the really cool place in Charleston that's on the main strip in the in the like downtown Charleston? Alright, um uh, sorry. I mean there was a music farm and then there yeah, I think music farms a little bigger, but either way, like yeah, every city will you know, you've got your like cool kind of like indie rock to punk kind of venue. Um but the courtroom is definitely not like a straight up venue and you're not like a straight up venue and bar. It's like so I don't know, it's like how do you classify what's going on in the courtroom? You know, it's not just like, oh, the courtroom is in this building downtown. Well, it's, you know? it, I mean, it's the events are just built around the music. It's not a bar. I mean, it's a right. venue. When I'll, it's, I'll, let me get this straight okay. before <laughs> before I go into what I do. The, the courtroom space is uh, the building, the Getty Center, Getty's Art Center is managed owned by the city, but managed by the Arts Council of York County. And that venue is for rent. Anybody can go in there and rent it. Um, they give me the special privilege because I work for them and they allow me to do these events to, you know, excite the arts in Old Town and excite the arts in all of York County. And, um, but when I use that space, I, I make it about the music and about the bands. Like, when you look at the flyers I make, it's just band names. Like, about the band names, some image to grab your eye, date, time, address and cover charts and that it just says that's what it's about you know like the money you know it was a dance club some nights it was a college bar some nights it was you know it was a venue some nights and it did you know it did have some great shows but it wasn't just about the music I mean their priority was alcohol sales yeah it was a southern bar yeah but I think you know the you know, what I do is more grassroots, you know, a band will message me and like intimately and say, hey, I'm looking for a gig in this town, I heard you're in contact, and I, uh, unlike most venues I've realized when I try to tour, I do a lot of legwork for the bands, I listen to the band, I find them, and then I say, I look for that, the locals that will play with them, sound well with them, and then like also do a good job promoting. Uh, I've played a lot of places where I get a show in another town and some local gets thrown on into it, but they're not interested in really, they're not, they're interested in playing, but they're not interested in promoting, they're not interested to hear my music. Right, and I yeah. do my best to like, do the best matchup of bands so that the locals are super stoked about playing with a band and there's, you know, there's some, some commonalities between the bands. Right, yeah. You know, it's interesting, like when I first started playing music, um, which this was like the early 2000s, um, there was still definitely a, a sense of you had like cover bands and you had like bar bands that would, their regular thing was to play like three, four hour shows 
and make a bunch of money. And then you had like the kinds of bands, the kind of band I was in, to where we just had, I mean, our show was maybe 30 minutes and we didn't know where to go and where to play. So like we'd book a show somewhere and we'd have to like randomly play for hours and we didn't know what to do. And it was, and it was always, no one was ever satisfied because we weren't playing the Eagles. And like, and so the only other option was house shows. And so that's why like growing up, I mean, my favorite thing ever was house shows. It was the best thing ever. And then what you're doing in the courtroom almost feels like it's between those two. It's between a house show, it's between us, like an actual established venue. Like. That, but that's how I got started too. Um, I remember I went to a lot of house shows. I got really excited about that kind of music scene. And then um, I remember somebody who was doing house shows couldn't do them anymore and then they handed me a contact and was like hey can you do a show like and I was like yeah I could host these bands they were really quiet and I lived in a one-bedroom apartment connected to six other one-bedroom apartments <laughs> at the Miller apartments in, uh, near Winthrop and uh, I hosted two bands that played and it was a great night and I I did a few more acoustic shows there and then I asked the Arts Council about the opportunity to if I could use the courtroom so I, it came from that house show background. It didn't start as like, okay, I'm doing this for the money, and her like, right, I, I'm yeah. doing, you know, I, okay, I want a bar and I need live music to bring people in. It's just like, no, I want, I want live music in this town, so I need to make it. Right. Yeah. And you're and you're sort of, you're sort of growing what you would be doing with a house show, which is like yeah. that's the awesome thing. I think that that compromise of like. I mean, I will never forget being really, like, when I was in high school, and the first time I went to a house show, and there's nothing like the feeling of, like, being a kid at a house show and looking around you and being like, this is the coolest environment I could possibly be in, like, you know, like, if, I wish that my brain could transmit to everyone I know what I'm doing right now, because I am so cool for being here, and it's so exciting and energetic, you know, and, like, and that... It isn't the same thing as going to a bar to see a band, you know. It's it, the spirit and the energy of a house show is just—it really is this pure rock and roll thing, you know. That it's, it's hard to touch, and I think that you you do pull that off at the courtroom. Well, and what I do is what I do is very grassroots, very low maintenance, because I—I mean, with courtesy of the Arts Council, they let me use that space, and I mean, I don't—I mean, I don't like try to make a living off of it, you know. I. I sell beer for the events, and the money I make, I try to keep it going to, you know, buy new equipment, prepare for Don't Sweat It Fest, buy, you know, like, like, just keep it going. And, I mean, I don't take, personally, I don't take any of the money from the door. I charge five bucks, it's not a very a lot of money, but all that money I make, you know, I'll give maybe 10% to my door person, and then the rest of the money's broken up between bands, and I do want I do pay local bands not the most because mm -hmm. those bands touring need the gas money yeah. and but I those local bands need the money because I want them to be those touring bands in other places so exactly yeah and the That's whole idea point. is the whole idea the courtroom is like I want to bring music here and I want music from here to go out there so I try to make those connections between bands by booking shows that match up and people who have similar interests mm -hmm. now let me ask you a question if you could have one of these empty buildings on Main Street and it be exactly like Snug Harbor, would you? Would you do that instead of the courtroom? Yeah, totally. And have a cool bar. I, and I, have... I would totally want to do that, but I, I've thought about it. I've thought about it for a long time. And, I, you know, what I do in the courtroom is very grassroots, and I've, I've honed my skills as being 
I can book bands, I can promote shows, and I can run sound, and I can order some beer and sell some beer. And I, like think about the expenses and costs of that, but not like when I start factoring all the other aspects of owning a business. Like if I want to have a restaurant, I can't run a restaurant. Yeah. If I want to mix drinks and do that and handle just inventory and be a bar manager and an employee manager, that's not my skill set. I think I think I could grow to have that skill set. Like Tom Cruise in Cocktail. I don't know the reference. <laughs> Sorry. That's an old one. <laughs> but I found out that my like I know what my skill set is, is booking promoting and I want to do that. But like I've got to be a, I got to be a part of a team. I can't just go and buy yeah. buy the old photographic designs building, which could be a beautiful building for yeah. that. I mean, I awesome. anytime like, I live downtown, old town, and I drive around and I I look at these places. I'm like, like, what is the potential of that being a music venue? What's the potential of photographic designs being a music right, venue? That's what, awesome. Like the station. Oh man, what about that venue? What if that was a venue? I mean, it's already got a kitchen. If I can find, you know, I think about that stuff, but. I mean, I'm still working like two and a half, three part-time jobs to, to, you know, fill out my schedule and then do courtroom as a passion and uh, like, it's, like I, I don't have the time or the money or, right, or the capital yeah. to invest but, in something like that. Yeah, and this is why it, it, it sort of pains me that Jason isn't present for this because like this, now that you're bringing this up, like this is his thing. Like that's so, I mean, it's, I mean, it's all of our things. It's so interesting. But that point that you just made about the... That I mean, you know, like I mean, you're an artist, so it's like you understand like this this creative spark, you know, and the idea of that translating to real world space and and ideas occupying buildings is really inspiring, you know. And like I said, that's why I almost Jay, I wish Jason was here to talk about it because he, he would definitely I'd be happy to come back and do another one. Yeah, we should do we'll do a part two. We'll do a follow up of uh, Don't Sweat It Fast. Yes, yeah, so let's do a part two. So let's let's cap off the talk of. Uh, what you do in Rock Hill, and save some of that for when Jason's here. And now you can tell us about Don't Sweat It Fest. Okay, well, Don't Sweat It Fest, this is the third year we've done it. Uh, the first year I did it was in 2011, in the summer. It's kind of an ironic title, because it's in the middle, in the heat of summer. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, I also like, I'm a, I can be a micromanager, so it's kind of the idea to remind me not to be that kind of person when I have a lot of volunteers working for me and breathing down their neck. I'm trying... So it's, it's kind of a funny title to me, but uh, so it has, a, it has that ironic meaning and then it has that personal irony to it. Well, it was, I assume the origin of it, because you, when you had shows at your house, it was called a sweat lodge. Was that, it, no, was it totally I guess, I, guess uh, I don't know. It, the first year, I was like, okay, this is a big house show style thing, but it's, it's not at the sweat lodge, therefore don't sweat it fest. You know, we came out, we sat down, we had a lot of names. Like The first year I had all these volunteers and had a group of people and we brainstormed, and then it was like that was the best name we could come up with at the That's time. A great name, huh? Yeah, I think it's a. It's really funny hearing people say it because they're like sweat, sweat fest. What <laughs> what a lesson! If it's not McDonald's, people can't say it. <laughs> if you come up with a name for something, people even if they actually read it and they understand it clearly, they're gonna pretend they don't and mispronounce it. That is just true of life. <laughs> so I you, that's okay. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's funny because me and my mom, me and my mom's like, so you want me to pick up these, uh, <laughs> these sweat zines or what, uh, what sweat I, zines? I what, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think it's kind of. A, I gotta interject here. My dad insists on saying Netflix, 
and and he'll do you ever do the thing where like someone will say something one way and when you're talking to them about it you keep saying it the right way and they just keep coming back with their own <laughs> and it becomes this battle yeah, so me and my dad have these netflix netflix battles <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. I do that with my mother. My mother uses the word Goldie instead of Goalie, like that soccer Goldie. Goldie, that's soccer Where's goalie. that? Where's that? Lisa just like takes off. Yeah, she adds a D. I don't know where it comes from. I think there's something about having children that makes you not be able to pronounce stuff. Well, maybe maybe just maybe they're just trying to mess with you. You're just trying, they're trying to mess with us. I guess that's what it is. I mean, oh, it's a strategy. It's like a total, it's a disciplining strategy. We're trying to just distract us from the real problem. Right. <laughs> exactly. We'll get there one day. I'll be, I'll be buying my kids tickets to... When I was a kid, uh, my mom asked for tickets to... Uh, it was Ernest Scared Stupid. And she asked for tickets to Ernest Scared Stiff. And I was so embarrassed. <laughs> so anyways, where were we? Okay, so yeah, Don't Sweat It Fest came from like a brainstorming session we had. It might have been a little bit from the sweat lodge. I, I, I can see that. Um, the first year it came together because I had like four bands from out of town. One of them was Waxahachie, which... Oh my god, yeah. That's it, one of my favorite things I've ever seen in the quarter. Yeah, and that uh, there's a funny story about that first year, but uh, Waxahachie, who, you know, was getting on, played on NPRs, like, huge on Pitchfork, came out with one of the top albums last year of, like, indie music. Mm -hmm. And then um, her s twin sister's band, Swearin, played yeah. as well. And then my friend's Dirty Fist from Florida, and there's another artist but who actually dropped off but that's where it started. I had all these like good bands asking for shows, and I was like, "Let's just do a festival and then make it really fun." And, um, and that's what happened. And first year was free. I was just like, "I'm just gonna try to sell enough beer to cover the cost of the bands and just have as many people come to it." And then next year was a follow-up, and it's become more of like, "Okay, we've had a lot of bands throughout the years." Uh, like who really left an impression on the people uh -huh. in our town and let's bring them back for this show and like pay them you know uh -huh. like because you know some nights might not be good and, and, at the courtroom so I'm gonna gar I guarantee the money to the people when they when they right, play right. in the following year and uh, so we've done that like the band Critter played last year and Rock Hill loves Critter and it's just these like three guys from Florida who now have like started and played in other bands and now and they came back just together for just that show, just to play oh, in Rock Hill. Awesome. Yeah, wow, they, cool. Yeah, I tried to get I tried to get two of them to come up and play for a birthday show since uh -huh. we have the same birthday, you and uh, me, Chris. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> but I don't think they're gonna do it this year. But um, yeah, that's crazy dude. to have like a non-local band get back together to play your show is a serious accomplishment. That's well, awesome. The funny thing was they didn't. All they brought was their drum set and a guitar. So they had to borrow a guitar amp and a cable, a bass amp and a cable and a bass. So all they had was a drum set and a guitar and they, but they also like, they were an opening band on Saturday night and they just blew everybody away. Everybody was just like going crazy That's for awesome. them. But it, it was such a great feeling. Motel Glory did it the first year, came back and played, uh, the first year they played the first set of the night session on Sunday. And like that first session, when people get back, it usually like explodes. People have a like, great time after they've yeah. been outside all day. There's a critical mass bike ride, and then that first band is like, whoa! Yeah, that's Everybody a big slot. Yeah. yeah, it's a big, yeah, it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, this year, Hectorina's playing that slot. That's awesome. And they, they, they're gonna rock everyone's socks off again. Yeah. Um, so I guess back to so it started from that, and then um, trying to get back on track here. I agree. Um, 
And now every year, from year to year, like how much has it grown? Because it seems to me like it's grown a lot. Okay, well the first year was like 10 bands, uh-huh. and um, it was free. And the second year, we had we had like 17 bands, but some of them were sharing sets. Like Tony P and Mr. 105 shared a set, and um, I think I squeezed in some band here, band band here or there. But uh, I try to do the, the setup is like. Five bands Friday night, five bands Saturday night, five bands Saturday during the day. I guess I did that out of order, but right. <laughs> but um, yeah. So this year it's only 15 bands, and I've had a lot of bands asked to get on, but like I said earlier, it's mostly just bands that made a great impression on Rock Hill. Right. Yeah. So it's like a yeah. like Everyman is coming back to play, and they're from Florida, yeah. and they just they're like circus, bluegrass punk. Yeah. Like. Uh, just a yeah, like they were on a real show. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, so um, yeah, it's it, so it's grown. It's grown the last two years. I I feel like this year's bigger because we put out those twenty-page zines. Yeah. With help of Evan Plant and Doc Land's design, he he designed them for me, and uh, he worked a lot with me on it. And we got these write-ups done, and then he d- designed the whole zine and like. And they're put out like all over. Like I had somebody saying, "Hey, have you hit Fort Mill TKK?" And I was like, "No." Like here's 300 scenes. You can go do that for me. Thanks. That's awesome. I, I gotta tell you how happy it makes me that anyone is putting out anything that you can call a zine right now. That's so cool. Because like definitely like I mean I'm old enough that when when I was in high school that was the first like kind of really cool cultural thing I came across. Where my friends I can't remember the name of it now. They put out some zine and it was like it was all about zines and you know the internet kind of killed the zine. Yeah. Well, I, I put out a zine too and it sucked. I was really kind of embarrassed <laughs> after I put it out. It was a 20 minute south scene. Like I did some pretty oh, I bad that. Yeah, yeah, I put I did some pretty bad writing in it and then somebody else did some pretty bad writing and then somebody else did some all right writing that didn't really make a lot of sense and then uh I had a schedule for the shows coming up and it was like, "All right, that's the important part." Right, exactly, yeah. But you but, thought it was awesome when you did it, right? Yeah. So that's well, after yeah. it came out, I was kind of like, "Oh, I probably should have done more proofreading." But but that's you know that's a great sign when you do when you can do that that's I think that shows that you're an artist and, and someone who's going to grow and what yeah you I was do. hoping to do it every month but it was so much work now this yeah, one you know this one like when you have somebody else designing it for you and then you pay someone to print it for you and it's great but um, oh I mean I, I paid for three thousand zines to be printed we get them in Columbia Greenville Charlotte for Don't Sweat It Fest yeah okay Rock Hill Fort Mill. Um, I don't know of any other places. Like they might have like reached Greensboro because some you know some people who have them are taking them to where they go. I'm gonna go to yeah. Winston Salem on or Friday night. Charleston, so. just because all the just because I can't get down there. Okay, but I, I mean like oh, there's more than one band right from Charleston. Yeah, well, yeah. kind of one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. It was Southern Hemisphere's from Charleston with Brett Nash, who's a local, yeah. and then who has has. It's really funny because Brett Nash is the local of that band. The other ba- other members also best guy ever. Yeah, right. totally. <laughs> and then and then Riggers, which I used to play in, right? When they were called Digger, yeah. And they moved to Charleston, and they picked up, I don't know, they picked up a new bassist, and the drummer moved to guitar, and they got a Rock Hill drummer. So three <laughs> of them are from Rock Hill, but they live in Charleston now. But uh, but, but now you're saying like Riggers was the name of that band. I don't yeah. know if I said it. Yeah, yeah, you said Riggers because it used to be Digger. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the. Uh, now we're talking about how we, the, it's growing as far as the number of bands, but I mean, what about the turnout? Um, well, the turnout was bigger last year. I, I mean, it's only been two years, and then this year's coming up, so I can't tell you if it's grown yet, but I've, 
I, th- I feel I mean, like the from buzz year one to year two. It. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, th- I know the buzz is growing about it. I mean, I don't know what it looked like last year, but I, yeah, it feels like there's a buzz going about and it. So, and it's what are the dates for the for the listeners? June twenty seventh and twenty eighth. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be very Friday and Saturday. Right? Friday and Saturday. Okay. It'll be really right around the corner, like tomorrow. Yeah, or it's very close. <laughs> yeah, because because unfortunately we'll only be be able to be there Friday because we're shooting Saturday. But Friday will be just as fun. Oh, it won't be any bike events though. I know. For the listeners, let's talk about those. Right? <laughs> let's talk about the bike events for the listeners. Well, let's let's talk about what it has been in the past. The first year we did it, we did a scavenger hunt, which was a crazy scavenger hunt. People had to go around town and like find objects, get dressed up, bring things back, find things, and there were prizes to be won. Two-person teams, you know. And next year we did, and then we did it last year, and we do doing it again this year. Um, Every year we've also done a critical mass ride in on on the uh, between the day set and the evening set on Saturday or Sunday the first year. But on Saturday this year we have a, a critical mass ride between eight and nine, which will get organized and probably led by the courtroom flag that we have. Sweet. And then um, it might be I think it's gonna be longer this year too. It might be like a mile or a mile and a half or something. So the, is this, you give another scavenger hunt this year, right? Another so scavenger they, hunt. They have awesome stuff. Like I know last year well, people like shave their. I know. Don't tell me. But last year people. You, one of the things you like shave your head. No. Well, in the zine, I tell people not, not to be afraid to get dirty. Be be ready to carry a bunch of stuff. Of course, wear your helmet. That's something I'm extremely stressing. I hope everybody wears their helmets. I mean, everybody should wear a helmet with the riding bike anyway. Um, and last year. Last year we had these uh, struggle carts. We call oh, them. Oh God, yeah, we those were amazing. They were amazing, yeah. Um, they were these. Um, some volunteers, don't sweat a fest, ended up making uh, these bikes, bicycles that had to have one person steer and one person pedal. They were there were three of them. They were all different. And they had hilarious names like the Bill Murray, <laughs> the uh, Nicholas Nicholas's cage because it, it had a cage around it, and then. The Chevy Chaser. Yeah, Chevy Chaser, yeah. I tried to get them to name them all, like, Caddyshack names, so it could be Rodney be Danger. Awesome. They came up with Rodney <laughs> Danger Wheel. That's awesome. But they didn't, so, so, I don't know, they didn't use that name. But uh, this year, this year we're going to bring back those carts, but we're not going to have a race. And uh, one of the volunteers is building a new cart that is, or new, not just a cart, but, like, a new vehicle that we're going to debut. It's going to be kind of a secret, and... This year we're calling him Sofa King. It's Sofa King oh, Cycles. I saw that in the thing, yeah. Yeah, so he's building this new contraption that is going to be pretty, uh, pretty fun. It's, it might not be as wild as the other ones, but it's, it's pretty cool. Right. So now, like last year, you guys had these death cycles, and it was, it was just went a race, and it was hilarious. It was so awesome. Like it, it just these kids, everybody falling over each other, and it was and it legs was, and legs. And the local yeah, band with legs. The band yeah, yeah, local band legs. Super talented guys. Uh, Sean the singer was ad libbing and like commentating so on the funny. whole like race the whole time. It was yeah. great. It was really good stuff. But so this year there won't be a race. You're just gonna like have like we're gonna an have exhibition. The, yeah, we're gonna have them there for people to ride. Oh, and, okay. And stuff. Yeah. Um. And now like you guys had a dunking booth last year. Will oh, be that dunking booth. The dunking booth will be back. Nice. Unfortunately. I wanted Andy the doorbum to come do face paint again. He did amazing face paint with his dots on people's faces, and unfortunately, 
If you're not coming to Don't Sweat It Fest, you should definitely go to his album release on Friday night. Oh, okay. If you can buy any tickets to it, uh, if they're not all sold out already. Yeah, that, guy's, that guy's blowing up. You know what's also funny? It's like, the first year we had uh, Don't Dirty Fists, and they toured with a puppet troupe. So they... Yeah, that was awesome. So they had a puppet, so there's like a visual art thing. And then Andy the Doorbum, when he played, he didn't do he didn't do his uh, acoustic or electric set. He played his uh, ghost worship set, which is very performance art. And this year we got another artistic uh, performance, but we're gonna let it you know we're gonna let it surprise everybody. It's gonna kind of be there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So um, it's not Emotron, is it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. No, it's not <laughs> okay. Emotron. Not I didn't Emotron. Really spoil the surprise. Uh, no. <laughs> It's not Emotron, no. That's <laughs> unfortunate. Or fortunate, if fortunate you know, your perspective. Unfortunate and unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, he, is, he is a performer, and he, he does a... I don't know. He, I don't know what to say, because it, it's so enthralling. Like, he's done some performances that I'm like, oh, my God. And some performances that I'm like, oh, my God. You know what's funny? And this is digressing a little bit. We're going to start here. If, if, you're not, if you're not familiar with Emotron, I'm not going to explain it. You're just going to have to Google it. The first time, of all, the, of all the things that he could do that would offend me, I got offended because he has a song about the movie Angus. Oh, yeah. And I thought he was being sarcastic and making fun of Angus. So despite the fact that this guy does very offensive things on stage, I completely wasn't offended. But when I thought he was making fun of Angus, I got genuinely, like, furious at him and was, like, so enraged. Was he really making he's fun not, of He's not. But, you know, I realized later he's not making fun of Angus. Um, so he's all just is well and good. He's just recounting the he's movie. He's literally just saying lines from Angus. <laughs> like, like, guy, but I'm like, I'm like standing there like, are you making fun of Angus? It's, um, it's so, <laughs> his music is so nonsensical. And I don't know if it's about the music or the performance of the music. And I think like, since he and Andy Dorbom are very close, like I think it's becoming, I, I, from what I've seen from like 2009 to I guess 2012, I think was the last time I saw him. The performance has become more art, yeah, artness and less sideshow. I agree, I agree. You know, the funny thing is, so we're going to go ahead and talk about Emotron here for the podcast listeners. And I'm saying, it's, just, it's a guy that does, like, what early on in his career it was, like, sort of a shock, kind of, he would, like, take his clothes off and do bizarre stunts and stuff. And, and his mu- music was, like, thoroughly sarcastic, which is why I suspected he was making fun of Vegas. But as time has gone by, and it was all, like, electronic and stuff, the truth is, he's actually really talented, and his music... As time has gone by, I really, I mean, it's got this great atmosphere and, like, tone to it, you know, even even though his lyrics are still, he sort of, like, found this niche of, it's like the guy is so sarcastic, he pushed through this threshold to where it's this, like, it really is this performance, like, it's this transcendent kind of, I really like Emotron. Um, so, uh, we've very much enjoyed having Mike on the podcast, and uh, I'll let him give you guys all the information you need to know about how you can make it to Don't Sweat It Fest and how much it is and when to be there and where to be and stuff. So uh, Don't Sweat It Fest 3 uh, will be at the Gettys Art Center at 201 East Main Street in Rock Hill, South Carolina uh, for a festival pass. If you can, if it's really a, fe- it's a wristband. It's, it's, it's like, you don't get any like lanyard or anything. Um, it's it's $7 for, for a weekend pass or for a show pass, whatever. Um, there are going to be 15 bands there. Uh, let's see if I can rattle them off real quick. Everyman, Motel Glory, Riggers, Southern Femisphere, Amigo, Dear Blanca, Chasing the Home Wreckers, uh, Orchard Cycles, Nailbiter's Last Show, and uh, Hectorina, 
triathlon from Savannah. Uh, so Grimoire. close. Grimoires. Yeah. Deer Blanc, not Deer Blanca. Borrowed Arts and Black Market. That's got to be almost everybody. If I forgot somebody. Black Market is on Death of False Hope Records, which is an awesome label. And they're cool guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it'll be Friday and Saturday. Friday night, the music will start around 8. And then on Saturday, 1 to 3 is the scavenger hunt. From 4 to 8 will be the music. 8 to 9 will be a critical mass bike ride. And then from 9 on will be music inside the courtroom. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time, and I think uh, if you live in Rock Hill, you should definitely make it out because it's, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be something different than what normally goes on downtown. So. Awesome. Well, we very much appreciate having you on the show. Micah, do you have any closing comments? No. Micah does not have any closing comments. All right, thanks for being on the show, Mike. Yeah, sure.